Hey everybody, it's Kelly. Um, I'm going to do what we've been doing for the past few episodes and I am going to provide a plot summary introduction so we don't waste our precious, precious time during our discussion um, rehashing plot details that no one gives a shit about anyway. Um, A few notes housekeeping wise, Um, things have gotten pretty crazy for Badger. So um, she's requested that we uh, back up the schedule a little bit and move to bi-weekly. And um, I had to admit that this podcast is not as important to me as, um, you know, real life is. So I accepted the proposal. Um, I am going to try to fill some content into the weeks that we don't have full recordings. Maybe they will be um, conversations with Jordan or um, girl Jordan, or um, I don't know, I'll think of something. Maybe it'll be more fan fiction. Um, Who's to say? So um, look forward to that. We will see what we see. Um, Hopefully the craziness in Badger's life is temporary, not just for the sake of, um, apparently the only thing I care about, which is this podcast, but you know, her sanity and overall mental well-being. pause so that Kelly can take a sip of her drink. I really don't do well recording solo. So we'll see what happens on the, on the intermittent episodes, the interstitial episodes. Um, all right, well, let's get into discussing, um, I don't know why I keep saying, like, let's get into this. We will discuss plot, blah, blah, blah. I'm alone except for my cats, um, and they're not contributing. But I, Kelly, singular person, am going to discuss the plots of the episodes that we are watching today so that we don't have to get into details. Production note, we had tried to record this earlier this week. There was an issue So we have a partial recording that gets cut off. We had two subsequent attempts at recording, which didn't even save, but they were like 45 seconds each, so nothing was really lost. So we'll be trying something new for the remainder of the recording, but between the first chunk of us talking to each other and whatever we managed to get recorded tonight is about a three-day gap. So we're doing the best we can without spending money. We may need to spend money, but if Badger can't do this as frequently, I don't see a need to spend money. I'm just talking in circles. Okay. Um, My cat is now investigating what is happening. We, Badger and I, we uh, first watched Sex and the City Season 3, Episode 5, No Ifs, Ands, or Buts, which last week I mistakenly assumed was going to be about anal. It's not. So um, let's give you the IMDb summary, because if there's a way for me to do less work, I'm going to do less work. So Carrie is attracted to a furniture maker named Aiden and starts dating, but he can't date a smoker. She must decide on Aiden or smoking. Charlotte attempts to coach a bad kisser, while Miranda finds difficulty in supporting Steve's pipe dream of making a half-court shot at the Knicks game. Samantha begins dating an African-American record executive who has a strong-willed sister who runs a new restaurant. That's like really, really broad strokes. Um, Carrie attempts quitting smoking for Aiden, but uh, a huge long-ass date uh, means that she's driven to desperation and she ends up picking a cigarette up out of the street that she's dropped and she smokes and he catches her. And it's a problem. And then she gets a nicotine patch because there are ways to quit smoking without going cold turkey. Charlotte's uh, attempts at coaching a bad kisser are hardly worth mentioning other than I find it so implausible that a guy would kiss that poorly and not have it, you know, brought up beforehand. But he apparently bruises her chin, which I don't know how strong his tongue is. And like, good for him, I guess. But... It didn't seem realistic. But then again, what in this show is real? Um, Miranda has like legitimate work to do. And Steve's like, Miranda, come watch me shoot the basketball. And she's like, I have actual work to do. I'm a lawyer. And he's like, you're no fun. Um, And he's apparently seven years old. 
we don't like Steve in this episode. Um, Samantha is basically told by this guy's sister, I don't care if you connect or whatever, like you cannot date him because you're white. And then Samantha cries reverse racism, which is not a thing for starters. And also like, Samantha, you're not going to marry this guy. You're not going to marry anyone. <laughs> like, just back off. And then one thing they don't talk about in this description, and it is user submitted, so who cares? But um, Stanford, they they really wanted this this show to be filled with a plot of like, at what point is your like threshold, your breaking point, your your deal breaker um, moment? And Stanford is dating a guy who he really is interested in and who has a really weird collection of um, porcelain dolls that live on his bed, on his bed. So every time they get, you know, hot and heavy, they have to pause and clear off the bed. And Stanford eventually is like, fuck it, let's just like, you know, give in to our urges and throws the guy down and they start making out and they seem really into it and then a doll breaks. So that's that. (laughs) Um, And this show is... uh, it's everywhere at once with this like at what point are you making a compromise and at what point are you like is it a reasonable ask for you to give in to the quirk that your partner has which are I think questions that really do get asked when people are dating but like these were caricatures of that it was very extreme um anyway Badger texted me a lot um during her viewing of this episode and uh, I posted that to the Instagram and we will talk about it and she will uh, share her thoughts. Then we watched, I need another sip of my drink. This is making for great audio. Okay. We watch Adventure Time season three episodes 19 and 20 which are Holly Jolly's Secrets Part 1 and 2. Previously, we have watched um, Adventure Time episodes that were cut oddly with how Hulu uploaded them. And, like, episodes that worked well with each other, we got split up. This time, we were lucky, and um, they were both in the same um, viewing schedule for us. So I'm just going to go ahead and read the joint plot description from Wikipedia. Like any great, um, you know hardworking person, I went straight to the most credible um, and definitely not overused source when um, doing my research. Finn and Jake dig up a box of treasure that Jake had found in the landfill and had buried without opening. Um, He didn't bury it. The Ice King buried it. Finn watched the Ice King bury it, but he forgot about it. When they open the box, the two discover a plethora of VHS tapes. Finn recognizing that, oh, okay, I should have read ahead. I did read ahead. God, I'm a fuck up. Finn recognizes them, (laughs) noting that he saw the Ice King bury them in the dump a while ago. The two make plans for a secret tape watching. Jake puts up flyers warning people that the only ones allowed to attend are Finn, Jake, and BMO. I just burped. I'm drinking a smidge of alcohol. However, the Ice King, seeing one of the posters, decides he wants to watch them too, unaware that the tapes are his. Meanwhile, Finn and Jake start to watch the tapes and discover that they comprise the Ice King's boring and somewhat disturbing video journals. He cries a lot in them, gunters in them a lot. Um, After watching several entries, Finn and Jake think that there might be a secret code hidden in the tapes. BMO BMO apparently cracks the code, revealing that all of the tapes contain an encoded picture of Gunter, the Ice King's penguin. The king, the Ice King, unable to get into Finn and Jake's house, raises an army of snowmen and tries to break in by force. Finn and Jake, realizing what is going on, hide under their bed and keep watching the tapes, hoping to discover a secret about the Ice King. Soon, the tapes cut into an ominous recording of a man who introduces himself as Simon Petrikov. Simon, an antiquarian, explains that he bought a magical crown and, after placing it on his head, began to succumb to the crown's power, losing his sanity and himself. Finn and Jake realize that Simon is the same person as the Ice King, and the two take pity on him. 
I have a couple of questions about this that I probably will discuss with Badger because it seems like Simon Petrikov was previously a human before he becomes the Ice King. So wondering, how old is the Ice King? Where was he during the Great Mushroom War, aka Nuclear War, things like that. One thing that the synopsis leaves out is that they accidentally like invent Christmas <laughs> um, at the end of the episode, which is um, serendipitous and cute. And um, we'll discuss actually how we felt about that when I get Badger on the line just a little bit from now. Anyway, I hope this synopsis helps uh, for people who didn't get a chance to watch the episodes themselves or um, want to hear how well I summarize things and read off of a computer screen because I'm real great at it. Um, All that jazz. So uh, we'll be right back with some shitty recordings and Badger, the woman of the hour, um, on today's episode of Sex Time. Hello, Hello and welcome, welcome to Sex, sex time. time. We do it slow enough, it kind of works. We've never really got the cadence right. No. When we lock eyes, sometimes. It's true. Hi, Badger. But when we lock eyes, sometimes all I see is, is the fear in yours. <clears throat> fear of what? You said you'd be afraid of me forever. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I kind of just settle into complacency with it. Yeah, I mean, you have to. You just can't live like that. I mean, I've slept in the same room as you, and you didn't kill me then. I'm a hard sleeper. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like, like hard beds. Yeah, like the ground. <clears throat> well, anyway, hi, Badger. Hi, Kelly. How's it going? Pretty good. I'm out on Mount Tabor. I was going to walk up the big stairs, but the big stairs are always crowded with walkers. And I'm walking so that I can get some more training in because of a very special event this spring. Would you like to tell Kristen and Emily about it? In order to inspire me in a way that actually works as a motivation technique. As I took the four tendencies test and I'm an obliger, I cannot find intrinsic motivation in anything. Badger is not really the kind of person who's going to put an expectation on me. She's not going to say, do it for me, Kelly, do it for me. Um, But she will consent to trying to hunt me in a forest. Yeah, it's, it's not like I consented to this. Kelly listeners, gentle listeners, asked me to be her life coach. And I gave like a pretty flat no. (laughs) And she, she pleaded a few more times and then kind of as a throwaway I'm not doing this I said I'll hunt you through the forest oh sorry yes and I said okay yeah and now we're planning it out it's going to be the uh, weekend after the spring solstice or the spring equinox Mm -hmm. and I it's going to be a persistence hunt rather than a sprint and you have assured me that there's only a slight chance you're going to bite through my brainstem. Yeah, I mean, human teeth are more meant for sharing, like, plants and stuff. Mm-hmm. You're not actually that sharp. I know, but you are very willful. Yeah. But it's a persistence hunt, so, I mean, you might fall down so I don't have to run up your back and bite you on the neck. This is going to last all of two minutes, and I'm going to be embarrassed, and you're going to laugh forever. No, I, I won't let it be over in two minutes. It, it would just be too cheap for you. Yeah, I'm going to enjoy this for a while. Well, <clears throat> I have been taking some walks as a means of starting to get fit um, enough to evade you for at least a little bit. And um, after birthday month is over and a mild depressive episode is over. Um, which I'm working on, uh, I will be uh, ramping that up. And hopefully um, it won't be too easy for you. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't like it to be too easy. Otherwise, so. we could just do it now. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Um, what else is going on? Not much. Um, it would be cool if we could keep this episode into like a, a tight 10 for Sex in the City, tight 10 for Adventure Time, maybe four minutes, pop recommendations and shout outs. Okay, do you really think we're going to be able to keep it to 10 with this episode of Sex Well, I'm chilly, and yes, we have to, because I, you know what? I think that this time there's so much, we should start a timer, and uh, Sex in the City gets 10 minutes, and we can go fast, and we can try to get through everything, but that's as much of my time as Sex in the City gets today. Okay, I'm not going to set a timer, I'm just going to look at the timer on the recording. But you want to go ahead and launch into it? We're talking about Season 3, Episode 5, No Ifs, Ands, or Buts. Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't about butt stuff. No, it was like about we, cigarette butts. We thought it would be. It was mm-hmm. about cigarette butts. Um, Corey Brownlin goes to a furniture art show uh, because of her gay friend. And she meets this kind of half-formed 90s grub man in a denim leisure suit. And the denim man, he asks her out on a date. Uh, she pretends to be a chair maker so that she can get a chair maker discount. Badger, on... we've already done the synopsis in another recording that's yet to be recorded yet. On so the chair. You can you can skip the, the plot and we'll go straight to talking about the problems. Yes. I mean, there were so many problems. Um, I, I guess here's a redeeming thing. Uh, Carrie's friends finally tell her that her smoking is stupid and gross. Mm-hmm. And they all just tolerate it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she tries to quit cold turkey. I don't know. About halfway through the episode, it just it just seems like it's lasting forever. It's lasting episode. That's half of it. Everybody in here is kind of like, I guess if we had to apply a theme to it, everybody has like, what is the threshold of shit you'll put up with with another person? So, like, Miranda has to deal with Steve acting like a fucking child. Um, like an actual child. Why won't you look off-putting. at me play basketball? Yeah, and then he throws his ball. Yeah. In the, in her condo. Yeah. like a And he makes, like, this, this moral equivalency between her needing to work on the weekend and her needing to watch him play basketball. Do not play with him. Watch him. So that was a bad relationship. Um, and then Charlotte's issue is that she's dating a bad kisser, but she won't give up on it. And that was a stupid plot line. Also, yeah, that was weird. I can't imagine any guy has been told it's okay to just lick another human being's face like that. Yeah. I mean, the, the silver lining that she could have tried is just pushing his head down more. (laughs) See if that does anything outside of her front door. Yes, it is New York. Um, so I, Carrie's whatever I want to talk about I want to talk about race (laughs) because the show finally has people of color with a speaking part but it handles things very poorly yeah with a with the nuance and depth you'd expect so one thing is like Charlotte's overcorrecting it's not black it's African-American and it's like actually um that's most people I've read about, uh, spoken to, um, read books authored by prefer to say black instead of African American. So Charlotte's an idiot. Um, what did you think about how um, Samantha handled dating a black guy? Um, I mean, she definitely fetishized it. Mm-hmm. Like she she did kind of a Samantha e take on black american speech you just glitched by the way i i don't know what to tell you well it happened so we need to start again um so that we're not on a different speed so let's does this happen more than once what has has the glitch and we're on two different speeds happened more than once Uh, yes oh we should find a different platform maybe yeah um, can I um, stop this recording and then call you again? Okay, but we're not going over 10. I know. We're about four minutes in. 
Oh, so long. Okay. Hello and welcome back. To, welcome back to Sex Time. Well, I mean, for anyone, for Kristen, this has only been a matter of seconds. It has. It's been, what, like four days in actuality? Yeah. So, uh, since then, I went and recorded the full episode summaries, and that's all in there. So, um, we can just launch straight into talking about um, problems in Sex in the City, if you want. Uh, I think we're done with Sex in the City. I think we hit the time allotment on that. No, no, no. We only have like four minutes. We have six okay, minutes. Okay. Well, I mean, say say whatever you want about Sex in the City. No, I I so legally much- can't stop you. I did so much talking about it in the intro. I want to hear your thoughts on how they handled race and things like that. I already gave you those thoughts. They handled it very poorly, as poorly as you'd expect. And you are not, what are you thinking of um, Aiden, the guy who tells Carrie to quit smoking? Oh, I mean, he looks like a, a half-sucked gummy bear. You know who that actor is? the pineapple flavor. Do you know who the actor is? Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Yes, he's so method, he looks like a different person. Yeah. Um, no, he, that's... He's amazing. John Corbett, who was in My Big Fat Greek Wedding and probably other stuff, too. Haven't seen it. Um, will it change your opinion of him? I mean, you already know that he has a dog in the episode. I was like, he's going to come back. Okay. I Well, I didn't know if he was going to be back in, like, the very next episode. He's going to be... Because then she does, she does decide to use a patch. Yes. Which is a more responsible way of quitting than just cold turkeying it. Speaking of, of patch, do you want to hear a dream I had? Yes. I dreamed that I had, like, a full beard, but I couldn't grow a mustache because I was a trans man and to get the rest of my hormone therapy and treatment so I could grow my mustache I had to go before like a really judgy council and this lady was so mean she was like you go out without wearing your binders sometimes you're non-binary at best and we're not going to approve your hormone patches is that it yeah oh my god I mean like then we were you know, it's a dream. So, like, suddenly I was at a mall and I was arguing with all the people. And I, it's a, uh, it's really opposite the dream that I had a while ago, where I dreamt that I woke up with a full mustache as a woman, and uh, I was running around and showing everybody my mustache. It was so like luscious, and I could style it. I was so proud of it. I didn't know if it would go away when I went to sleep the next night. Did you have this dream about your um, hormone patch being denied last night? No, it was a few nights ago. Because I had a dream that featured um, trans people that I know last night. So maybe maybe questions of gender are on our minds. Yeah, we've been talking about it a lot. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll... Did you, was there anything you liked about this episode? No, like literally not one thing. I I guess I kind of like the weird doll stuff with Stanford. What would you have done if you were hooking up with somebody and they had a doll collection like that? I don't know. I mean, that's a, it's a, it's a bit of a, I mean, if anybody's just a collector of anything, it's kind of a red flag for me. Cause I don't, I don't like clutter. Uh-huh. I don't myself collect things. Like if I... If I go get new clothes, then I pick out the clothes that I haven't worn recently, and they go to Goodwill. Yeah. Because you can't wear just too many clothes. No, same. I just realized that my um, t-shirt section of my closet is overfilled, so I just pulled out a whole chunk, and I'm going to have to figure out which needs to go. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll keep some stuff that's sentimental, but, you know, I, I don't... I don't have a tendency toward hoarding. Everything needs to be useful or on display. Yes. And that's what the dolls should have been. They should have been in like a cabinet or something. 
Yeah. They're that precious, you don't let them out where they can get dust. Yeah. I have to say, the bedroom that the guy had um, with those dark blue walls, like the day before I watched this episode, I fell in love with an ad on Twitter for Sherman Williams paint with that exact same blue wall color. And then I felt so, like, like seen in like, like Kelly, everything old is new again. There's nothing new about Navy blue. Like, and I felt kind of like chagrined for liking an ad that was just telling me that Navy blue paint was beautiful. So there are a lot of stylistic things I'm seeing in shows from like 20 years ago that are coming back into fashion. And it's, um, weird like in Will I'm a big fan of leopard print right now myself I don't think that ever really went out of fashion leopard yeah. print and chrome it has to be done um tastefully because leopard print can easily get um tacky but I've oh, seen oh I uh, love garish tacky leopard print you you have such a strange like affinity for things that are so extra stylistically and yet mm-hmm. you're not really that like tacky of a dresser or anything but you really love like glitter and bright prints i'd say like anything that you have that is bright i wouldn't call tacky but you're not opposed to it right yeah like you wouldn't let me go out of the house looking too too over the top but i am drawn to some pretty next level stuff you're starting to buy clothes without me present so i don't know how much control i have anymore um almost none i actually have started really enjoying uh Picking out outfits and like laying them out and dressing myself. Uh, the instant that I'm not at work, it just turns into like my grubby jeans and all of my worst things that are comfortable with holes in them. Uh huh. I mean, that's. But I've, I've come to uh, to kind of enjoy putting my own spin on like the the battle rattle that you need to adorn yourself with to go into a meeting with like execs in it. I'm starting to feel like I don't have utility for you anymore. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just going to have to, like, deal with that. It's a me problem, I guess. But I'm really glad that you're embracing this and finding a way to be yourself um, and also still, you know, raise your raise your profile at work and, and try to, you know, what did you say? You want to, like, infiltrate you want to yeah. get them all fooled that you are actually professional? Yeah, sneak into their ranks. I think um, I think you are actually good at what you do, and you're legitimately earning credibility and respect based on your work, if that's any um, people research. People react differently to me when I am, like, a little more dressed up. It's a, it's a really unfortunate fact, but... It makes me mad, but if, you know, that's what I got to do to be, be heard in meetings especially um, as women in a department that is very um, heavy with the male quantities. Um, it's hard to get your voice heard at the table with them. So, Yeah, I, um, th- I kind of, I didn't demand this, but I, I asked uh, as though it were a foregone conclusion to be on it, interview panels for, um, uh, a uh, supervisory position outside the departments that I normally work with. And uh, I had two of those yesterday and I felt like pretty good about how the people, some of whom were my tormentors when I first started here, like differed or listened to me at least. Mm-hmm. Things are, things are changing. I asked some very uncomfortable questions about racist, sexist, and transphobic comments. <laughs> and the uh, the person who was, like, the most racist was sitting next to me. And I kind of gave him a sidelong corner-of-the-eye look. And he was also giving me a sidelong corner-of-the-eye look. We all know the score. We all know you're racist, dude. I don't think he thinks he is. Of course he doesn't think he is. But that doesn't mean that he isn't. Yeah, I just, I mean that in that, I don't know how he could, if he's going to pick up on what you're putting down, you know? He picked it up. He for sure picked it up in that moment. And then uh, one of the folks we were interviewing is actually internal. And 
um, like work with him around in in the uh, trouble zone for a while. So I asked him what you know to give an example of uh, a time that he has heard uh, an oppressive comment, and I broke it down into more atomic pieces so as to, as you say, meet them on their level. Mm-hmm. And what he's done to um, intervene or interrupt. And he said, I, I don't think I've um, ever heard anything like that. And I said, remember, I worked down there. And it was deliciously awkward. Is this somebody, is this somebody I know and I've spoken to before? Yeah. Like- is this somebody that I was social with down there? No. Okay. Because the people I the, um, people I was actually social with knew why I was down there and what I was doing and kind of, I think, were a little more self-aware. So if, if the people that I had spoken to said, I've never seen any of this happen, I would be, I'm like, I'm disappointed already, but I would be so even more disappointed. Yeah. I'm the, the other candidate we i don't know should i be talking about this i don't know how much it's like we're not naming names blurred Um, and confidential um but really strong candidate the first and that's my my standard interview question that i've been throwing in every time i've been on panel um is the first white man to say yes i have heard those comments yes it is a problem yes i have done something allies exist Mm mm-hmm rarely <laughs> okay. Um, you want to talk about Adventure Time now? I only want to talk about Adventure Time. Okay, I already gave a really detailed like summary of what happened and how we have kind of the origin story of the Ice King. I only have a couple questions for you, and then I kind of want you to freewheel with whatever you want to say. But since we see that the Ice King used to be Simon Petrikov. Mm-hmm. Um, does that mean he was previously human and was transformed or? Is yeah, that he was human. That was, that was, he was a human on earth, um, back somewhere. Uh, I'm not sure just based on the last name, I'd, I'd sort of assume a Slavic country based on the last name or what you could see out of the windows of his office in the background and the mm-hmm. buildings and, and aeroplanes. Um, and we, kind of know I, we, I think we can kind of infer in this alt reality when the mushroom war was because we seem to get the vhs's and this is it's not a spoiler for me to say oh. that we don't see like dvds okay so with that um please talk about this the, this pair of episodes <laughs> I feel like I I just spoke so much during the intro. I really want to get your perspectives on it and things that you enjoyed, things you maybe would have liked to see different, you know. Well, I don't know for. if this is this is completely intended, but I think that it it could be construed especially towards the end as a and you see this um thematically with the Ice King done definitely deliberately later on a kind of a commentary on maybe dementia and uh, the way memories work and synapses fire. And, and, you know, one moment he's like watching himself as Simon Petrikov and he, he doesn't, he can't grasp that he was human. He knows that was him, but he thinks that the, the worst thing about that is he used to wear glasses. Uh, And then he, like Finn gives him back the the tapes and like he he's for completely forgotten about all these angry snowmen that he created <laughs> and is just handing out presents and uh I think it's um in a way a continuation of the empathy that Finn displays when he gives him a kiss and thank you. Right. Um it's a I... really fun take on uh on christmas and i don't know if you noticed in the the title cards that jake has um some hanukkah stuff or about him no i didn't notice that um yeah I just, the title cards are really fun i found this to be a really interesting way for them to inadvertently like invent christmas in their universe and um kind of make that happen or organically because there's clearly no 
um, basis for them to celebrate Christmas because it's not a thing that they ever talk about. Right. So they, they've made up kind of their own solar festival. Um, I really like Marceline at the uh, at the end. She's not speaking in this episode at all. Uh, really, none of the off off core characters are, but just the way she shows up in the window <laughs> it reminds me of that thing that I did to you that you were too tired to react to, but I was fucking thrilled. Uh, outside the office. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have one more question. Uh huh. When they are going through all of the other celebrants who are there, there's a guy who we've never seen before standing next to the chair, like Peter Paul or something, and he has, like, a lock on his underwear. Um, please explain. Um, so the I actually looked this up myself when I was first watching the show because you don't really see uh, any... I mean, we've got the fish people and whatever Susan is and... Ice King and Simon. That's kind of two sides of the same coin as as the human occupants of the the planet. Um, and then this guy who looks very human. And apparently that was just kind of a sort of an inside joke with um, putting the the guy's name is Phil, putting the Phil face on different things in the show. And that kind of fades out, I think, after after one or two more iterations of it. So it's just a throwaway character. That person never comes back as a thing. It's a throwaway character who looks like he's in some sort of S&M arrangement. Yeah. Seasonal and magical. Uh (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Okay. Do we have any more thoughts on that episode? Um... I really like Christmas. I don't like Christmas itself, but I like twinkle lights and candy canes. Yeah. That's my thought. No, I think that's fair. Um, Girl Jordan is very into Christmas, and I told her that I am not, and she had a conniption. Are you going to do both of our nails with candy cane stripes? Oh, yeah. Well, maybe. So she gets her nails done. So they are, they get painted at the place where she, cause she gets acrylics done. So I, I can paint over acrylics, but she's kind of already squared away with that. But I'm definitely going to do your nails with candy cane stripes. Yay. Of course. I would always do your nails with candy cane stripes. Very excited about that. Do you want anything for um like Halloween before that too? We'd have to um, hang out, but... No, I think I'm good on Halloween. I'm actually enjoying Halloween more lately because it's it's fun and you can give people presents um, without the the whole the weight of of Xmas time. What are what are Halloween presents? Uh, they're a thing that Chelsea and I invented last week, and we bought them for most of the people at work. Is that what my next birthday present is? Sure. Yeah, it's about the same time. Cool, cool. Um, so we, uh, I put out a question on Twitter to see, like, if anybody has any questions for us. And I have a question. Give me a second. I'm going to go locate it. Oh, from a person? Yeah. Who? It's a person we know. Well, I know. You will know. Um, so this is our listener, a new listener named Trevor. And he says, if Sex in the City was a cartoon similar to like Daria or if Adventure Time was a live action show, do you think it would still have the same appeal in their respective time frames? Please repeat the question. <laughs> If Sex in the City was a cartoon similar to, like, Daria, or if Adventure Time was a live-action show, do you think it would still have the same appeal in their respective time frames? Can I say what I think that, that he means by this? Yeah. I think, so, like, say that Adventure Time premiered when it did, but it was live-action instead of a cartoon, but it was overall the same. 
um, or if Sex and the City came out in 1998 or whatever, but it was animated instead of live action with women, do you think that they would be um, received differently or would they still have the same sort of like cultural impact? Well, I don't, um, I'm not sure how many target audience members for Sex and the City were also Daria fans. I think mm. Sex and the City was skewed a little bit upward, and I'm not completely sure that in the late 90s it was um, like status quo for people our age who Sex and the City would be geared towards now, I think, to to watch cartoons on, on the rig. And Adventure Time, I, I think, just no. You just can't... It, a lot of the the whimsy is is because of what they can do with animation, and if they tried to do that in a live action setting, it would require a lot of you know costuming and puppetry and CG, and I think we'd we'd hit the uncanny valley like pretty fast. Because I don't know if you noticed, but Finn doesn't have a nose. Sure. I, I'm frank. I don't want to see CGI Jake the dog. I don't think it would have taken off. I think through the medium of cartooning, they're able to sort of insert some some deeper moments and deeper truths that would be taken away by the the complexity of live action. Okay. Just to let you know, I am trying to delay my responses to you just a little bit because you've been glitching out. Um. So I don't know how that's affecting when on the recording it sounds like I'm responding to you or not. So um, I'm just trying to be a little cautious and give it a beat. Um, uh, I did watch Daria and Sex and the City. And um, I think I agree with your assessment that it was um, pretty not the norm for adults to be watching cartoons at the time. Um, to the extent that they are now, um, with like Rick and Morty and Bojack Horseman and everything. Um, so at the time there was like the Simpsons, maybe Family Guy by that point. And then like a few things were starting on Adult Swim, but they tended to be like hyper absurd things like Futurama. Well, Futurama wasn't on Adult Swim. I mean, no, like, but that's, that's a cartoon that like adults watched and was made for grownups. Right. And that was main, mainstream adult cartoons. And then Adult Swim was like Space Ghost. And, um, uh, oh, what was the one that was underwater? Oh, Sea Lab. Sea Lab 2021. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I fucking love Sea Lab. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like. I feel like if Sex and the City was animated, it would either have to fall in line with, like, mainstream ones that were on, like, Fox. Or it was going to have to go into Hyper Absurd to be the 2 a.m. people working the overnight shift at Fantasy Video type of viewers. And I knew those people. So, um, and and they liked uh, the weird overnight cartoons that they were watching, so... But Sex and the City does not treat itself ironically like C-Lab does. Like the premise of C-Lab is that after one year on C-Lab, all of these people have gone insane. Uh, Sex and the City takes itself unironically. Yes. Okay. Um, well, I um. Let's start wrapping up, I guess, because I don't know how much else there is to say about anything anymore. Everything um, new is old and everything old is new and it's already all been said. What is your pop culture recommendation? Uh, go over your pop culture recommendation because I had one and I forgot. Oh, wait, no, I remembered. My pop culture recommendation is the uh, clip of original Dr. Doolittle movie where Dr. Doolittle yeets his seal wife off a cliff. Look up Dr. Doolittle yeet seal. And watch who, with the volume. And who showed you that initially? Twitter. No, I sent it to you. Oh yeah, you did. 
I sent, I sent it to you with no context, and you were like, what the fuck, Kelly? Yeah, I guess by not remembering that, I I did a buy erasure. <laughs> you buy erased me? <laughs> that's, that's okay. We don't exist. We're figments of our own imagination. Yeah. Um. Okay, my pop culture. I actually have two recommendations because I it's it, they were just um, in quick succession with each other, and I wanted to just um, get them out all at one go. Sorry, I'm doing my makeup while I'm doing this. My skin is so red from like dryness already that I have to like leave the house with something on my face, or I look like a burn victim. So it's been it's going to be a rough winter for me. We need to go to Lush. Yeah, we do. I've got a um, a blemish coming in, like, in the middle of my forehead, and it's got to be a punishment for something. It's going to hurt. Well, get right with God, I guess. Never. My pop culture. I have two. One is that the fifth season of Schitt's Creek is out on Netflix, and it is charming and funny and Jits Creek is just such a great show and off of a premise of like horrible people getting their just desserts it turns into this like really endearing story of um, people like in community and I mean you've you've seen Schitt's Creek I'm assuming I have not it's it's on my list okay I think you're gonna love it it's so quotable um it's just great. The other thing I want to recommend, and this is one I specifically think that you would enjoy, and it's short, um, but it's great, is a series on Amazon called Undone. Have you seen anything about this? Uh-uh. Okay. Um, I first heard of it, like, a few months ago because somebody I know knew somebody who worked on it. And it's filmed, I believe, live action, and then it's animated over it so that there are some scenes where it bends reality quite a bit. And it's very seamless how they, like, animate somebody who's in a car and then all of a sudden they're, like, floating in space because everything is given that artificial, like, film over it. So Hmm. it's it's, um, got a very, like, comic book look to it, very, like, graphic novel look to it. And it um, touches on if there is some sort of like um, supernatural ability that somebody has, or if they're genuinely experiencing symptoms of mental illness. Um, And it treats the mental illness discussion pretty respectfully. And um, the main character is also disabled. Um, She's deaf. Um, She has, she has a a cochlear cochlear implant. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that, she can kind of control whether or not she hears. And so she can like shut people out when she takes her um, hearing aid out. Um, It, uh, it also, the main character is she's Latina and um, there's a lot of people of color and uh, it it seems very, I really enjoyed it. And it's not the typical thing that I would enjoy. And I I really would like you to see it and get your, um, get your input on it. It's eight episodes. They're about 30 minutes each. So it's very like bingeable or anyway, it's undone. It is. um, I really, really enjoyed it. Cool. Well, since you got to, I'm going to throw in another quick one. The New Yorker reviewed Untitled Goose Game and it is incredible. I highly recommend reading the juxtaposition of, of like this SAT level near poetic review of untitled goose game and the absurdity and joy of untitled goose game i um saw that the new yorker had reviewed it and have been meaning to read it but i haven't had a chance to yet fully recommend (laughs) talk about meeting people at their level (laughs) the new yorker is uh is very um ivory tower and I don't think Untitled Goose Game strives to be Ivory Tower, so I'm really, <laughs> I'm, I'm really interested to see how that goes. Yeah. Oh, okay. What are our shout-outs? If we try to say them at the same time, they will probably be at different times because of the glitches. Trevor, Kristen, Emily, Jordan. She hasn't listened yet. 
<sighs> Redacted. You've been giving a lot of tentative praise to people and then having to redact it very immediately. Yeah, you really disappointed me. You got my hopes up and dashed them so expertly. Can you explain what I did? I gave everybody at work, ask me about blank buttons, and you can write in, ask me about whatever. And Kelly wrote, ask me about BOFA. And I was like, Kelly, I'm so proud of you. And she said, I did it in dry erase marker because I'm a coward and I erased it. (laughs) And I said, retracted. But could you imagine if I had a pin up at my desk that said, ask me about BOFA, and then, like, one of our bosses walked in and saw it and then looked at me and they knew what BOFA was because they're one of, like, the people over 40 who knows what BOFA is. (laughs) Somebody bofa Rudy Giuliani earlier this week, and I was so (laughs) proud of them. (laughs) Um, uh, I know for a fact that our AVP has heard me BOFA someone. Do you even pretend to be, like, professional? <laughs> I do now. This was a long time ago. I both at Kimberly. Oh. And then I threw myself into an adjoining cubicle and said, well, this is Chelsea Smith, and I've just told an inappropriate joke. <laughs> and our APP just said, wow, right under the bus. <laughs> Okay. We can be found on social media at Sex Time Pod on both Twitter and Instagram, which is where we do most of our actual communication. And then I occasionally remember to post on Facebook um, Sex Time Podcast. For the boomer crowd. No, for Kristen. She's the, oh. like, she's the, I think, I don't think she follows us on Twitter or Instagram, but she Kristen. like, get twitter and instagram well i don't know like maybe this is her preferred way of like handling us yeah but we're so much you know it's bite-sized it's bite-sized you can mute it okay any any last words before we before we say goodbye no okay bye bye